0: As many of you know, how our outreach is structured is that we have uh, different classes of workers, and uh, one classification, we call them field staff, and uh, we call them field staff because they're technically staff of our church. And we have uh, five families who they've been appointed uh, by our outreach committee, have been commissioned by our elders as pastors of our church, but they just happen to live internationally. And so what also that means is we are their sending entity, that uh, we are their main area of support. They do partner with uh, with organizations or agencies uh, in their field of service, but at the end of the day, we're where the buck stops. And I, I kind of jokingly said to Tom and, and Dan in the first service, just because they're the older of the, the five, that I'm their boss, but, um, you know, really I'm not. I, I'm their friend. And uh, really one of the privileges I have as our outreach pastor is just to partner with these guys and encourage them. And uh, we were blessed to have Tom and Dan sharing us with the, in the first hour. But now we get to hear from Nicholas and uh, Jared about what God's doing in their work and in their lives as they bring God's Word to us. But we're going to start with Nicholas. And Nicholas uh, for, and Danelle for years were in, in China. And most recently, they've been uh, based back here in the States. But uh, uh, Nicholas is always on the move, uh, working with churches and organizations around the world, so it's uh, great to have you here with us this morning, Nicholas, and uh just pray God's blessing on you as you bring the word to us.
1: Thank you. Good morning. About two or three years ago, the uh, short-term global outreach committee uh, decided that uh, We needed to revamp the training that the short-term teams go through. And uh, so I was asked to be on that team as uh, one of those who would look at that. I'm an educator, so I brought an educational eye to it. And one of the first questions I asked was, uh, well, what's the purpose of the training? And a very clear answer came back that the training was to try and uh, help the team be a, a unified team ready to serve when they arrive in the host culture. A uni- unified team ready to serve when they arrive. So I thought, okay. It came down, we, we talked about the training, and it came down to, Oh, I better just, I'm, I've got a timer here because it's going to go over. Um, I began to think, okay, what? it came to me that I'm going to start a Bible study to, to uh, re- rethink through the Bible study that the teams did. And so, as I thought about unity and serving, almost immediately came to mind uh, Philippians. And uh, unity is uh, what we have in in bold up there. And uh, serving, certainly Christ came as a servant. And Epaphroditus almost died in service to uh, the community there. And so, uh, I began to procrastinate and... Not write the Bible study, <laughs> and then I finally did. But in that, I um, I, I thought, okay, well, we need to look at how Paul arrived in Philippi. And what's his relationship before this? Uh, we've all heard of the Philippian jailer, and so I, I looked back to Acts 16, and and uh, then I I thought, okay, well, but he's he's arrived there before that, before the Philippian jailer, so. There's Lydia, and then looking, at okay, well, how did that trip start? So this morning, uh, we're going to look at Acts uh, chapter 15, uh, the end of chapter 15 and 16. Jared and I are sharing this sermon, I suppose, and uh, appreciated Jared emailing me a few weeks ago and saying, you know, I don't know what, how if Tom and Dan are sharing the same passage or what, and what do you want to do? So he... I said, I don't know, (laughs) but we can't preach from Philippians. We were both kind of thinking, oh, yeah, we love Philippians. We get to preach from Philippians, but they said, no, no, the other guy's doing that. So he said, well, let's pray about it. Let's pray about it and see what God leads us to. And so after praying about it a little bit, but knowing that I was going to suggest Acts 15 and 16, (laughs) waited a week or two. And emailed him back, and he said, "Oh yeah, that's perfect." So that's what we're uh, sharing this morning, and I'm uh, glad to uh, pass that on to Jared after I go through um, several situations here uh, uh, that start in chapter 15. So let's look at Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 36. Acts 15:36. So remember, this is a Bible study about uh, team unity and serving. And after some days, and I don't have time to give you background here, but and after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Short-term project, very clearly stated. Let's go back to the cities where we were and see how they're doing. Encourage them. So, uh, continuing. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. This is the Mark who who, uh, wrote the Gospel of Mark, right? So no small guy, kind of important, but let's read on. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. He's a loser. He's a quitter. We're not taking him. So, this is a Bible study for the short term projects in the and the and the first thing you get to is the team leaders are in a in a disagreement here and listen to how it goes on and There arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with them and sailed away to Cyprus. but Paul chose Silas and departed so the first lesson from that we're kind getting from these uh, these this story is Expect Conflict. And uh, we see here very clearly that the way I kind of look at it is Barnabas was about the man. The disagreement was about... Barnabas was about the man. Paul was about the work. Now you take that and do whatever you want with it, but that seems to be the, the disagreement here. And uh, it was so sharp that they, they, they separated. So... Uh, don't be surprised by conflict, prepare for it. Don't be surprised by conflict, prepare for it. So actually an application here right away, I'd encourage you, if you're in conflict with somebody right now, study Philippians with the person you're in conflict with and your life will be changed. One, one thing that I'm bringing out here is as you read Philippians, You're going to see that Paul kind of worked this through by the time he wrote to the Philippians. I think some of the things that happened here, he reflected on, and they come out in Philippians. But that's for you to work through. Okay, so let's uh, continue on here. Uh, The second principle is coming out here in the same verses. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And then they went to Syria and they carried on with their project. Barnabas stayed with Mark. Their commitment to team here is obvious. Paul says to Barnabas, let's do this together at the beginning. Then they don't, but still Paul chose Silas and gathered another team and was sent out by the brothers there. So commitment to the second lesson, if you're a point person, the second point is there's a commit, commit to team, commit to team while you're on the field. If you're a goer and uh, commit to being sent, if you're a goer and you all who aren't those commit to sending team is uh, just you'll see it all through this. Okay, let's uh, continue. In chapter 16, then, verse 1, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman, etc. How does Philippians start? Paul and Timothy. So even when Paul wrote the book of Philippians, the letter to the Philippians, he wrote it as a team. And this, that Timothy and Philippians is this Timothy. This is where we, he meets him and where we meet him. And he's a faithful guy, so Paul uh, invites him onto the team. And we see through uh, many books, and, and later Timothy is uh, well, First and Second Timothy, right? So um, they continued on, verse eight, uh, verse five. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers daily. Okay, verse six of chapter sixteen. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. What's the lesson? I don't know. i look at my notes. <laughs> I know what it is, but don't commit to the plan. Commit to listening to God. They had a project. They had put it before the elders. The elders and Asher approved it, and they were sent out with the plan. And what, how, what happens to that plan? Well, first of all, they separated. But besides that, they were prevented by the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus. I don't know what the difference is there, but um, did not allow them. So they were blocked in this plan. But. That's the negative side. The positive side comes in verse 8. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Here we see the positive side, God leading and them listening. And not just Paul. Paul got the vision, but we see the team come out here. He says, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And I think it's just a part of the team aspect that they had. But we see the positive part for Tom and Melissa, God guiding (laughs) positively. Let's continue. So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, or whatever, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi. Aha, finally they arrive in Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. So they land in Philippi. They hang around for a few days. And then they find out about this prayer uh, meeting down by the river. Uh, women's prayer meeting, seems like. And they go there. And uh, verse 14, as we sung that song, uh, Give My Heart or something. Uh, I can't remember words to songs. Uh, Here's my heart, Lord. Is that it? Where's Adrian? Yeah, is that it? Here's my heart, Lord. I thought of Lydia, because listen what it says of Lydia. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And, uh, you know, all of the words, if you think of Lydia saying those words to that song, is really striking. But uh, the fourth principle is God prepares the hearts. So yeah, yeah, we go and you send, but is God preparing hearts? And Dan in the first service said that China is not the fastest growing church in the world. Well, okay, but in history, in the last few years, not right now, it was the fastest. So, but the point here isn't that it's, uh, God is preparing hearts all over the world like he has never done before. And uh, it's, it's just amazing. As you hear the different uh, places that people are, God is preparing hearts and it's his work. We're fellow workers with him. Verse 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much Financial gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Nothing wrong with that, right? That's basically true. Well, it's not even basically true. It is true. And this she kept doing for many days. So this girl is following him around saying this for day after day after day. So what happens? Paul... Having become greatly annoyed, says in my, Paul, having become greatly annoyed or troubled, and then I have turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very hour. Pretty good thing to do. and gave orders to beat them with rods so as a result of this Paul being greatly annoyed okay let's Luke makes a point to say Paul not us he does say she followed Paul and us crying out but Paul got really irritated turned around and said come out which is a good thing good for the girl but not the economics i 'm not saying Luke just points it out, and i 'm just bringing it out too that, that paul didn 't say he could have said, Hey, team, what are we going to do about this girl you know let 's pray, pray pray for let 's you know let's let 's lay hands on her or whatever they could do, and pray for her we don 't see any of that he 's irritated, and he turns around, and does this, and the result is get the clothes ripped off them they 're beat and um, When they had inflicted, verse 23, and when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So I think the, um, I didn't know what to do with this except say it to you and kind of let you figure out what's going on with Paul here. But my lovely wife said, well, the, I think the the principle here is pray for those who, who are sent. Pray for the people you're sending. Because when we're on the field, we're meeting spiritual battle in, in quite unique ways that we're not necessarily used to. And uh, there, there are these daily things and it, it doesn't have to be this kind of thing. It can just be normal stuff. And as uh, so the Japan team goes and, you know, they got to eat sushi or something, raw fish or whatever they do. Uh, they, some, some people like that and others, you know, they don't. So uh, pr- the, the principle I, I really like is pray for those who you send. So uh, I'm going to go over those lesson, those what I get of lessons out of this. Don't be surprised by conflict. Prepare for it. Read Philippians. Commit to team. Don't commit to the plan only, but be open to God's spirit leading. Hopefully it's a good combination. God prepares hearts and pray for those who you send. And I'm going to ask Jared to come up and you can come up too. I'm going to ask, because we, we did this as a tag team, kind of, you know, wrestling world. And uh, I'd like for you to come up and pray, pray at the end of this part which is not what we said we would do, but I'm going to... That is fine. That's We're not going to separate over it. I think. No,
0: this is actually how a lot of outreach goes. It doesn't always go as planned. So, um, well, especially since you admonish the leadership that we need to listen to the Spirit and not yes. make plans. So I will I will listen to the Spirit. Okay, okay so Jared, go ahead. Okay, I'm going to pray then.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> Father, thanks for unity. Thanks for disagreements that can teach us what you want to teach us. Thank you, Lord, that we can plan, but you're the one who guides our steps, and we want to have ears that hear your voice. Thanks for my brother Nicholas and what he shared with us, and just continue to speak with us and to us through your Holy Spirit as we continue in the passage.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Nick.
0: We have already kind of introduced Jared here, but uh, it's really... a. Jared's become a good friend and certainly appreciate their ministry in the Czech Republic for the last 10 years. And it's great to have his family helping with worship this morning. But uh, look forward to what God's given you, Jared. So come and bring the word to us.
2: Thanks, Asher. It is really good to be here. Excited about today. And thanks, Nicholas, for what you shared. I want to continue in the story that Nicholas began of how the gospel first came to Europe. And I want to move toward answering the question, what is at the heart of global outreach? There are three pictures from the text I want to explore in order to answer that question. First is a prison. The second is a song. And the third is a fellowship. So I'm going to continue in Acts, and I'm going to back up just a little bit and start in verse 22. Nicholas read this, but I want to read it again. So Acts 16, verse 22. You can close your eyes if you want and really try to imagine this, or you can read in your Bible, whatever works for you. The crowd joined in attacking Paul and Silas, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stalks. supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself! We are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. That's the word of the Lord. So the first image is a prison. Or maybe to be more specific political and social opposition to the gospel that manifests itself in false accusation, violence, legal persecution, mass shaming, and imprisonment. Paul and Silas faced the rage of a mob. They were stripped of their clothes, beaten with rods in front of others and then thrown in the prison, feet in the stocks. At the heart of global outreach is brutal opposition to God's work. Nicholas and I have both served in countries that have been devastated by communism, where this kind of treatment of Christians has been the norm. Richard Wurmbrandt, the founder of Voice of the Martyrs, a Romanian pastor during communism, wrote of how Christians were tortured with red-hot irons, knives, by starving rats being driven into cells through a large pipe, salt being poured down the throat, handcuffs with nails on the inside, placed in ice boxes until signs of freezing to death appeared, tied to crosses for days. And then after about a couple more pages... Of description, Wurmbrandt says, other things simply cannot be told. And God calls his church to be in the middle of this kind of prison. But we need to understand that the true prison at the heart of global outreach isn't a physical one. The real prison in the world is the prison of fear and pride that grips all of our hearts violence abuse oppression those are merely symptoms of this fear look at the mob they were afraid of losing the economic upper hand other people there were simply scared not to go along and the jailer when he thinks the prisoners have escaped he is so afraid to face the shame and consequences of his failure that he reaches for a sword and he's about to kill himself. When he goes to Paul and Silas, he says he's trembling with fear, and it makes you ask the question: Who here is really the prisoner? God longs to free us from our fears of being failures our fears of not being good enough, our fears of being insignificant, rejected, unloved. Maybe you can relate to some of that. Those are those fears that motivate us to blame others, to manipulate, to dominate, to abuse others, to shame others. And a global outreach that strives to free people primarily economically, politically, physically, or socially, risks the danger of producing followers that are freed but carry a prison in their hearts wherever they're at. And God is offering us something more profound and beautiful, which leads me to the second image, which is a song. In the middle of the prison, chained, bleeding, cold, scared, Paul and Silas sing. We don't know the song which they sang, maybe Psalm 2. We don't know if it was in a minor or major key, but they sang in a way that captured the attention of the other prisoners. And their singing is really powerful for me because... Paul and Silas must have been so tempted to succumb to fear and self pity, and instead they sing to God. And it's in their singing that God sings back to them. He sings with this large drum roll of an earthquake that rocks the prison to the core. It opens prison doors, it breaks chains, and it's the moment to say, Yes! Our God is powerful, He's awesome, and there's no contest between the rulers of this world and the power of our God. But this is the place in the story where I was scratching my head and thinking, Okay, if I'm Paul, I've been unjustly beaten chained to a wooden torture device, I'm bleeding and hurt, and yet I've decided, okay, I'm going to call out to God. I'm going to pray to Him and sing to Him. And then God hears my prayer and sends an earthquake. That is really awesome. He busts open the doors, the chains. I'm free. I can get out of here. And tonight, sit down, write the best letter to all my supporters about this amazing story. (laughs) But the story doesn't go like that. Paul sees his abuser about to kill himself. And he calls out, stop. Don't do it. He doesn't escape. He doesn't let the others escape. And he begins to engage with the jailer. Paul, are you crazy? You're free. You can get out of here. The Lord sent that earthquake. Why in the world would you stay? You see, Paul knew what it was like to be on the other end of power. Full of rage and violence fear, self-righteousness. He knew what it was like to be stopped dead in his tracks by the living God, exposed, stripped of his fig leaves, and then hear, Paul, why are you persecuting me? That's not who you were created to be. You were created to be the son of the living God. You were created to bear His image, to represent Him in this whole world. And Paul, I love you. And I forgive you. The Greek word that's translated stocks here, it's interesting because it can also be translated as tree or cross. Actually, Paul uses it several times to talk about Jesus' suffering on the stocks or, or the cross. And Paul, sitting there in that prison in the stocks, knew that he had experienced God breaking through the prison of his heart. And Jesus giving up his freedom and his life so that Paul could go free. So that the jailer could go free. So that you and I could go free. And Paul can say to the jailer, trust in Jesus and you'll be truly free. This is the power of God. It's more powerful than earthquakes and chains being broken. The earthquake is simply pointing to something much, much better. God has the power to forgive us and to restore us to who we were created to be. This is the message we bring to the world. It's the hope we have. And at the heart of global outreach, God is singing. He's wooing us to himself. He's playing the lover instead of the judge. And it gives us the power and the freedom and the beauty to go out and risk... Everything and join the singing, so third picture fellowship. this idea is central in Paul's letter to the Philippians and in other writings, and here we get a picture of what it looks like. The jailer asks, "What must I do to be saved It's that Greek sozo, which means so much more than a ticket to heaven it means. Healed, saved, freed, restored. It's got this wonderful, broader meaning to it. And Paul begins to explain to him. And then, don't miss this, the jailer, that needy, sinful, tough guy, takes them outside and cleans their wounds. Begins the process of healing. And it makes you ask the question, who here is helping heal whom? Too often, global outreach has been about religious and cultural colonization. A better, more privileged group helping out a lesser group. But that leads to just more pride and self-righteousness. And I know the temptation of this I really do. It feels good to be needy. Or to be needed, excuse me. It feels good to be needed. It feels good to be better, to have the right answers. But at the heart of global outreach is a mutual need for each other. We need to let those who we serve wash our wounds. They need to see our vulnerability. Otherwise, they won't see the power of God's provision and protection in our lives. They'll see the power of our money and skills and efficiency and statistics, programs. But at some point, they're going to realize that the emperor doesn't have any clothes on. So, after the wounds are cleaned... Paul baptizes the jailer and his entire household. That's so cool. He baptizes them in the same water that washed his wounds. And they stand together, uniting, healing, and on the road to freedom. It's a beautiful picture of global outreach. Okay, let me just uh, conclude with a little bit of application You might be sitting here identifying with the jailer. You've got some power and privilege in your life. But really, you're carrying around a prison in your heart. You desperately want to know the answer to the question, what do I need to do to be free? God wants to shake the foundations of that prison. He sent me here today to tell you that. And I'd love to talk with you after the service if that's you, so please come up here and talk with me. Some of you might be experiencing a stirring in your heart concerning global outreach. You hear the melody of God singing, might be distant. That love song that he's singing. He wants you to join in the singing. Maybe he's calling you to go out to another country and serve him. Maybe he's calling you to send others. Cole has several families, like Asher said, that you could partner with, we, we really do need you. Global outreach workers are not lone rangers, but part of a fellowship striving together for God's heart for the world. As our family has served in the Czech Republic over the last 10 years, we've really been carried by this church. When we faced joys and trials, it's often seemed to us that there's a fellowship of believers standing around us singing. Singing praises with us. Singing when we couldn't sing. Singing when we'd forgotten how the tune goes. just wanted to end by thanking you for the gift of serving together. Let me pray. Jesus, you became a captive in order to free the captives. And you call us to go into the prisons of this world and sing your love song. Lord, we can't do this alone. You've created us to do this together and with you. Lord, would you please give us the power and the trust and the courage to follow you in this. Amen.